1: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions presents the DFS Lineup Lock Hour, sponsored by DailyRoto.com All right, let's roll. DFS. DFS. We looked at the baseball board uh, briefly uh, on the program this afternoon. And uh, for for betting purposes, it's a pretty tricky one. One of the trickier ones uh, that, you know, that we can remember, actually, in the last couple of weeks. I always find it tough going into the break and coming out of the break uh, as well. But, you know, you've got some sort of, you got big favorites tonight. You've got a few pickums. There's a lot of evenly matched uh, games tonight. Uh, We'll find out if um, Drew Dinkmeyer thinks it's a better night um, from from a DFS perspective. And from a DFS perspective, there seems to be a couple of obvious um, ways to approach uh, this. And we're looking right at the Boston Red Sox. First game in the rotation here. Um, with the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. Red Sox are up to minus 200 right now. The total in this game is nine. Let's bring in one of the best uh, DFS players in the world. Drew Dinkmeyer joins us. Drew, it's always a pleasure, my man. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me,
1: Gabe. All right, uh, Drew, let's get down to business. So I I went through the baseball games from a betting perspective and a lot of tough games uh, tonight, I thought, from a betting perspective. What about from a DFS perspective? Or are you so analytical about it that no days are better than other days (laughs) and the numbers are just numbers are they just numbers to you or does the human get to you the human element get to you where man i don't like this card today i don't like any of these players or these games do you do you feel that or are you pretty much the same on a daily basis either way
0: so I think there's a couple ways to answer that question. The first I would say is that there's certainly days where some of the best values on the slate or some of the best pitchers on the slate are players that you're very uncomfortable with for whatever reason. Uh, the pitcher's not particularly skilled and it's entirely price-driven. Or there's days where there's just so many options um, that it feels somewhat difficult to build. And I would say in terms of the the former, the first one where you have like a pitcher that you're really uncomfortable with that is clearly the play, those days can kind of get uncomfortable a little bit. Um, but days where there's a lot of choices and it feels like difficult to make those choices, those are the days that there's a lot of edge. If your lineup comes together very easily for you, it's probably coming together very easily for a lot of your opponents as well. And then you're kind of all playing somewhat, somewhat similar lineups and, and the margins kind of come down a little bit. So it's it's a, there's a different way that slates can feel difficult to me than someone might naturally think. Some some people think, oh, it's a really tough day to build a lineup. Thus, I don't want to play today. Uh, those are usually the days that it's tough for everyone else you're competing against to find a lineup they like too
1: you know in the gambling world uh we call it the uh, the clothes pit pick of the day where it's basically you know we're clothespinning pinning our nose <laughs> so you don't have to smell it. it's like we're taking the numbers and we're hoping for the best here you know what i mean like we're riding we're riding what we think is logical but you know you don't really want to do it and a good example actually tonight so let me ask you and i always find that betting and dfs can really correlate a lot there's a lot of similarities. In the sense of public ownership uh, public owners. and public perception. I mean, public perception is everything, isn't it true? Even in DFS, I would imagine, right? What the public yeah, thinks whole, and what is and what
0: reality is. Absolutely. You're, the ownership is basically there's two prices you play when you're playing DFS there's the price of the player, and then there's the price of the ownership. And both of those prices make a big difference in whether the play is a good play or not.
1: All right, so let's talk about Miami's let's pitcher about here tonight Miami and uh, Jose Arena. Yeah, Jose Arena. Um, you know, at, he his numbers, the win loss record, even you know the ERA at four three six, at home doesn't jump off the page. I mean, he hasn't won a he hasn't won a game yet. He's zero and seven at home, but he's actually pitched pretty well at home. And I imagine a lot of people will look at his record and say, oh, "I don't want any part of a guy like this." What's your approach uh, on him tonight against the Braves?
0: Well, I think this is a slate that it's not particularly difficult to identify pretty good offenses, and it's not particularly difficult to uh, identify the really high-end pitching on the slate. And that makes it for a lot of expensive players that you kind of look at the slate and say, man, I'd like to play Jacob deGrom. I'd like to play Luis Severino. I'd like to play Mookie Betts. I'd like to play Mike Trout. And you just can't fit them all. So one of the ways to potentially open up some salary relief, especially on a site like DraftKings where you have two starting pitchers, is through that salary relief second starting pitcher. And I think Urena will be interesting for people looking to go that route because he's just 6,500. Of the pitchers on the board that are kind of priced below let's say 7,000, he's got one of the lowest implied run totals against. The Braves lineup is a little bit watered down these days. They've been dealing with some injuries. They're not particularly super left-handed, which is what gives Urena most of the problems. I think they only have uh three lefties and a switch hitter in there tonight if you include the pitcher and a lot of those lefties are kind of bunched towards the middle of the lineup so if he can kind of work his way around freeman i think he can have success obviously the park is a great park to play in especially this time of the year with the controlled conditions so i think he's one of those cheap starting pitchers that certainly makes a lot of sense on this slate what about newcomb any opinion on newcomb tonight I think Newcomb's really, really, like, I think he's a really good DFS pitcher in general because he racks up strikeouts. I think the Marlins are a tough team to get strikeouts against, especially since they've brought Martin Prado back uh, from the DL. He's just a dude that makes a ton of contact. in that bottom of the order, while they don't pose a lot of threats, the Prado, Rojas, Riviera, those guys just don't strike out. So I think Newcomb will probably be good in terms of run prevention. Um, I don't know if he'll generate enough strikeouts. The price is pretty compelling at at 8200. He will be one of the pitchers that I'm using in my player pool tonight. An angle that uh,
1: I find interesting. So he will be a player that you're using tonight. All right. Uh, yep. An angle I find interesting this evening is this Dodgers and the Phillies game, in which the Phillies coming off a, a doubleheader, um, you know, kind of taxing, you know, to play a doubleheader on a Sunday. Now you get the Dodgers. Dodgers have been a very good road uh, team. Uh, what, what do you make of this game tonight? Uh, do you like any bats, the pitchers? What, what's your approach? What, what's your opinion on the Dodgers and, and the, uh, the Phillies game tonight?
0: So Zach Eflin's been a little bit of a tough guy for us to peg his baseline on because he's had such a drastic improvement this year from years past, and part of that is the fact that he's throwing harder. His average fastball velocity is up a little over a mile and a half per per uh, mile and a half uh, per hour. So he's he's throwing the ball harder. He's getting lefties out a little bit better than he did in the past. But this is a, a park bump for the Dodgers, you know, going into into Philly where it really inflates home runs and inflates power. And you look at the lineup that they're running out there, they've got a lot of left handed power towards the top of the lineup. Jock Peterson, Max Muncy, Yasmani Grandal, Cody Bellinger. Um, I like the Dodgers side more than the Phillies side in this game. It's an interesting game in that it's two guys that if you saw at the beginning of the season, you would have expected a much higher total in the game. Uh, But both Ross Stripling and Zach Eflin have outperformed so strongly. We believe in Stripling a little bit more than Eflin, so I'll have more of the Dodgers side than the Phillies side tonight.
1: All right, so before we move on to uh, the offensive side of things, uh, what are the pitchers uh, when it's all said and done? Do you go with one of the big guns and then somebody else? You mentioned Severino; he's 13-2. We're using DraftKings prices here. Uh, Kluber is 12-2. Degrom is 12-2. Corbin is 11-2. Stripling up to 10-2 right now. Porcello's uh, 9,900 seems to be pretty expensive uh, for him right there. Yeah. Eflin is 9-3. Also seems pretty pricey. Lucchesi's uh, 8-3. So what, what do you what do you make of the pitching tonight? What would you suggest to people?
0: I think a lot of the – first of all, you know, up top, if you're playing, like, cash games, 50-50s, head-to-heads, you want one of those two stud pitchers. And the fact that Jacob deGrom is $1,000 less than Luis Severino is the big differentiator for me. And Severino and deGrom just have better strikeout rates this season than Corey Kluber, and the Pirates aren't a team that strikes out a lot. They've also been playing extremely good baseball of late. So for us, it's deGrom up top on DraftKings where you get that big price discount over Severino. But either of those guys, I think, are very, very strong plays. And then the question of who to pair them with, I think, is a very difficult one on the slate. You could pay for a little bit more security in guys that we know a little bit more about, like Jose Urena. But a guy that's really interesting to us is this rookie starting for St. Louis, Daniel Ponce de Leon, who's just 5,100. He was striking out 26% of batters in AAA, so big K rate in AAA, which strikeouts are the big determining factor for DFS. The matchup in Cincinnati is not ideal, um, but Cincinnati threw out a little bit of a weaker lineup with Scooter Jeanette sitting tonight. So we're kind of interested in this Daniel Ponce De Leon because he opens up a lot of ability to pair him with a Degrom or Severino and still get plenty of offense.
1: And he's got a wicked cool name too.
0: He does. Yeah. And, and yeah. the funny yeah. thing is, you know, you can do all your <laughs> all your fountain of youth jokes um, with Ponce De Leon, but he's he's actually a 26 year old rookie, so he kind of does need to find the fountain. Of youth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost a nightly basis, and as you mentioned, you want all these guys
1: in your lineup. Uh, J.D. Martinez is a guy that's just you know crushing it this year. Fifty-eight hundred dollars. Mookie Betts is sixty-two hundred dollars. Uh, they get Gossman uh, tonight, but they've actually crushed Gossman uh, before. Yeah. Mookie Betts, 15 for 32, 469 with a double, three home runs and seven RBIs against him. Uh, Martin has only seen him 10 times, but he's hitting 500 with a home run and four RBIs. Xander Bogarts might be a good option here. I drew it to, you know, he's 11 for 38 against him, a little bit cheaper here. Bogarts has been a nice little go-to for me when I can't afford the other Sox bats.
0: He usually gets so many favorable plate appearances because Mookie and JD are just on base so much in front of him. Um, the challenge we always have with Bogarts is the price tag. It's always priced as if he's the type of hitter of like a Manny Machado or a Francisco Lindor. That and 52 so range, struggle. a little high, isn't it? He should yeah. it would be so like at just, 46 instead of be better. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we always, we always struggle with the price tag with, with Xander. So if we're going to get Red Sox exposure, we'd rather it be through Mookie or JD. I will say on this slate though, we have Mike Trout projecting well ahead of them. And that's primarily because Lucas Giolito hasn't been able to get anyone out of the big league level and the white Sox bullpen behind him is very poor not to say that you know the bullpen behind kevin gossman is anything to write home about by any means uh, but gossman has been a little bit of a better pitcher i personally think um the individual history for mookie is so strong and i usually don't use batter versus pitcher stuff but it's so strong that i wouldn't mind that as a tiebreaker uh among the top bats but we have trout actually as as the top bat to spend on tonight uh, Cole Hamels. Uh, I don't know.
1: Cole Hamels is probably going to be pitching uh, for somebody that's going to be in the playoffs this year. But right now he's pitching for the Texas Rangers, and I'm looking at his his road home split. So four and two, two nine three and ten starts on the road, one and six, five point eight three earned run average at home. Opposing hitters hitting two seventy nine against them at Globe Life Park. You get the Oakland Athletics rolling in here tonight. Uh, what about an uh, Oakland Athletics stack? Do you like the Athletics' bats tonight?
0: Yeah, we definitely like the A's. I think two, t- two team uh, divisional situations that our projections always seem to like are when Oakland goes into Texas and when Pittsburgh goes into Cincinnati because those two teams have big uh, – big parks that they play in that really downgrade power. And when you get them in those smaller ballparks, it really plays up the power. And especially the Oakland side, a lot of their yeah, secondary yeah. guys are much better against left-handed pitching, like Marcus Semien is a much better hitter against left hand pitching than right-handed pitching. Uh, Cole Hamels has given up a ton of hard contact this season. So he can still miss some bats with all the off-speed stuff he's throwing, but when he gets hit, it's usually hard. Uh, we, are, we are definitely on Oakland tonight.
1: You know, the thing with Oakland, it always baffled me. I remember in the old days... They would use it to their advantage. You know, the cavernous park. I mean, it's like they got a football field for foul territory, Drew, on both sides. You know what I mean? And I think it added up to there was basically about four or five outs a game that wouldn't happen in other stadiums. But it seems like it's almost a detriment to the lineup that they have now, which is evidence when we saw earlier in the year when they hit like 28 games in a row where they hit a, a home run on the road. I mean, as a betting man, too, I love it when the A's are on the road. That's when I bet on them. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, now I'm going to hop in because now they're going to put runs up on the board. It's strange. It seems like they, you know, the, the team isn't built for the ballpark that they actually play in right now.
0: Yeah, well, back in the day they had some guys, like, when they went through their really good runs, um, you know, the the – uh, yeah, Tim Hudson say, kind of era. Uh, well, even after – so after the Conseco era, the Conseco era was like guys that they had that really could bomb it. Conseco – That's was what boring. I
1: was going to say. It didn't it like, matter where the anyway. wall was, right? They yeah, could put it, it over. It didn't <laughs> matter where the wall
0: was. But then then the other era was the pitching and a bunch of yeah, guys – Yeah, Barry Zito like era Miguel and stuff. Tejada yeah. and like and, and take advantage of the gaps. And now they're kind of in between that. They don't have a lot of, you know, pitchers who – Um, They they tried to get away with some fly ball pitchers like Mengden, but their offense is like a mishmash. It's guys who have some power, but not the Conseco mcguire level power, other than Chris Davis. He's like the one guy. So they've got all these, like, secondary big power guys in Chapman, Piscotty, and stuff who do play up quite a bit on the road.
1: All right, as far as the Jays are concerned tonight, they're going with Santos on the hill tonight. I guess it's going to be one of these bullpen um, start-by-committee type of deals, but... I don't know how many, how many innings are you what are your projections telling you for uh, for Santos and the Jays tonight? How many innings do you think this kid gives them
0: we don't We don't have much at all uh, for him. We have him for I think it's like three and a half innings, something like that, so we're not his game and then the Cubs are also going with a bullpen game with Luke Farrell starting tonight and those bullpen games can kind of be interesting because I think the perception of them is that hey, this is you know you want to get into the bullpen early that's how you get big runs, but when it's sort of planned um you're, you're almost guaranteed to face a few innings of very good relievers that are often better than the starter that you'd be facing anyway. So a lot of times you see lower implied totals on these games with the bullpen games. Like the Cubs only have an implied total of like 4.2 or 4.3 against tonight, even though they're starting out with one of their weaker pitchers on the entire staff. And same thing with you know Santos. He's only got a four and a half implied total. That's not much different than like Zach Eflin tonight. And that's because the, the, the depth of the bullpen makes up for... You know, what we think of as, like, the idea of getting into bullpens early, um, it makes up for it because you end up facing, like, three innings of pretty darn good relievers. So, the bullpen games are always tough to kind of pick on. I know the Blue Jays' pen has been having all sorts of problems of late, and they're very homer-prone. So, I don't mind Minnesota, but I'm less on Arizona, who's in that same situation, because the Cubs' pen is pretty darn good.
1: You know, Troy, pretty good. I don't, you know... I don't know every um, – I can't tell you every player splits off the top of my head in Major League Baseball, but, you know, we, we bet it every day. We're playing DFS every day, but, you know, some of the pitchers that they roll out here right now. So who's this guy now, Phil Meyer? <laughs> Phil Meyer for, uh, yeah. for, for Kansas City tonight? What's the deal with this game? Yeah. You know, I got to ask you about this.
0: Uh, I will tell you this. The Kansas City-Detroit series is not going to be one that a lot of (laughs) baseball purists are going to want to turn into. That's why I have to ask Um, you about it. Yeah. So the Kansas City pitching staff is one of the worst pitching staffs, you know, top to bottom, um, if you look – like if you just go to their active roster page it's a bunch and it's a bunch of players that you've really never heard of and phil meyer's not very good the challenge is of course the the tigers don't have that great of an offense either so it's a little it's a little bit of like who's worse is it the tigers offense is worse or the royals pitching staff is worse, worse. it's warm in kansas city so you have good offensive conditions uh we actually like both sides on the offense there, are both detroit and kansas city a little bit tonight
1: drew it's always a pleasure my man thanks for the time thanks so much for having me gabe there's uh, Drew Dinkmeyer uh, we always get a little smarter after talking to, uh, to Drew Dinkmeyer talking DFS baseball we'll continue talking DFS some more baseball betting trends of the day coming up next did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award winning fantasy sports radio network listen on the iHeartRadio app the tune in radio app Drew Digbyer uh, joining us on the program. It's time that we start uh, putting some bets together here, isn't it? Um, it's a tough board. You're gonna have to. I think we have to lay the uh, lay the juice a little bit uh, tonight uh, with the favorites. But let's uh, continue to talk a little uh, DFS right now. We'll get to our uh, our best bets of the day. So, you know, looking, uh, talking about the pitching uh, situation, I actually wanted to roll the dice with Eric Lauer tonight. I I really was against the New York Mets, man. He was really, really cheap. He was like $4,000. The guy had 33 DK points a couple of starts ago. It's sort of like an all or nothing, but whatever, man. I'm more of let's just gamble and take pitchers that nobody is going to own and stack our lineups. And that was the approach that we were going to take. Uh, this evening, I actually went with Sean Newcomb at $8,200. I went with Sean Newcomb at $8,200, and I was going to go with Eric uh, Eric Lauer, but Eric Lauer's out right now, and it doesn't leave me with a lot of freaking options, man. <laughs> like I'd have to redo my entire lineup. Um, so, I don't have a choice. I either go with Luis Santos or Hunter Wood right now. I'll throw Santos in here and hope for the best, but... Once you, uh, once you get into my lineup after this, then you know what? Uh, it, uh, it makes up for a lot. So we're going with Sean Newcomb. It's a tough game here this evening. Listen, the Marlins bats. Um, he's pitched well against uh, the Marlins. Now, he struggled going into the All-Star break, but you never really know. You know how people are going to react coming out of the All-Star break. Sometimes a couple of days off, especially for a pitcher, will do him good. You know, so I'm I'm going to take a chance here with Newcomb uh, tonight at eighty two hundred dollars. Now I know everyone's going to own own one of these big pitchers, and I get it. And it wouldn't shock me if Severino put up some big uh, fantasy numbers here this evening. But I think we got a lower scoring game here tonight, and I think Newcomb has an opportunity to put some uh, some DK points uh, up on the board. You know, we talked about this briefly earlier. Sean Newcomb, he's 2-0 with a 0.75 earned run average in 12 innings uh, this year against the Miami Marlins. Miami is hitting 125 against him. So I'm going to roll the dice with Sean Newcomb. And um, I'm really rolling the dice here with Santos, although Santos is kind of a necessity uh, right now. Like, you know, we're talking about Newcomb stumbling into the All-Star break. He lost his last three outings going into the All Star break. His ERA was nine seven five. Um, he was supposed to pitch over the weekend, but it was postponed uh, by rain. He had a great month of June seven and one two point oh seven earned run average. As I stated, I think um, I think that the the All Star break and the rest could uh, could rejuvenate uh, re, uh, him. So I'm going to roll the dice here with Newcomb here tonight. We're rolling the dice with Santos. Dirt cheap. At, uh, what is he, uh, $4,600. Hopefully he can give us like four innings, but we we really do have a stacked lineup when it comes to our bats. Uh, Wilson Contreras, uh, Chicago Cup catcher, Wilson Contreras. You know, I was looking at the computer projections, and Contreras really isn't, um, you know, Godley's on the hill tonight. Contreras isn't projected to be one of the top catchers. Russell Martin actually is at $3,200. I know he's cheap, but... You know, to me, Wilson Contreras, he's just too hot for me to, to abandon right now. He's 15 for 33 right now. You know, his last 33 at-bats, he's got 15 hits. He's hit safely in nine straight games. Uh, the catcher is always a tough offensive position to fill. So I'll go with uh, the red-hot Wilson Contreras here. Now, I don't think a lot of people are going to own Mark Trumbo here tonight against the Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox are going to win this game, or they should. Um, but... I'll tell you what, man, Porcello was 5-11 in his career in 19 starts with a 4.86 average against uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Now, doesn't really mean anything due to the fact that the Baltimore Orioles, you know, the, the Orioles lineup isn't what, what it has been in past years. But Mark Trumbo is in the lineup, and Mark Trumbo's got some nice numbers against Porcello. He's 11 for 37 in his career against Porcello. He's got four home runs as well. Mark Trumbo. 11 for 37 with four home runs uh, versus Porcello was five and 11 with a 4.86 earned run average. I think uh, you know Boston win the game, but hopefully Mark Trumbo can go deep for the fifth time in his career against Porcello. Uh, we're gonna go with um, Cabrera tonight and the Mets projected to put up 9.6 points tonight against uh, San Diego. Now there's been a pitching change here this evening, uh, but you know the Mets bats. Not exactly the most potent lineup in the league, but, you know, Cabrera can give us 10 points. And like I said, he's projected to give us 9.6 DK points uh, tonight. Adrian Beltre. Uh, Beltre now just one home run away from tying Chipper Jones for 33rd all-time on the all-time Major League Baseball home run list. Very, very, very impressive. Man, you look at Adrian Beltre, nobody really talks about this guy, but... Adrian Beltre is a Hall of Famer, man. And I know our our, our boy, Sonny Betts, uh, loves Adrian Beltre because Adrian Beltre's answer is sending him to the uh, to the World Series, courtesy of DKMS and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. But, you know, we talked, you know, remember, um, you know, earlier this year, there's a lot of milestones that Beltre's passing this year. Earlier this year, we talked about it, which he passed uh, Ichiro. He, you know, he has more hits than any other non-American player. So basically any, like, non-American-born Major League Baseball player, he's got more hits then, which is pretty freaking impressive. And now he's moving in on Chipper Jones here, sixty-eight home runs, 33rd on the list. So in other words, listen, Beltray's 39 years old, but he can still hit. And so it looks like this guy's got a couple of more years left in him. I mean, he's going to get to 500. He's got all the hits in a milestone. So Adrian is a Hall of Famer. Uh, nobody really talks about it but you know to me if you look at his numbers and his accomplishments it's hard to uh, hard to deny it uh he's been hitting lefties uh i saw over uh, i saw a stat i don't know man i read so many different places i don't want to not give someone credit i just don't want to get it uh, get it wrong i saw a stat earlier in the day what was it uh oh daily fantasy sports rankings i saw a stat earlier in the day daily fantasy sports uh, rankings about beltray as well over his last 156 at bats, over his last 156 at bats against left-handers, he's got a 977 OPS and a 412 wOBA, which is uh, pretty much you know that's like top five type of stuff. Uh, we spoke with Drew Dinkmeyer earlier about uh, about Cole Hamels, and I talked about Cole Hamels splits a little bit here. Cole Hamels on the road is Cole Hamels. Yeah, that's why if you're a team. You're going to trade for Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels can help you because Cole Hamels won't be pitching in Texas. I don't know what it is this year about this park and him at home, but we mentioned it. Cole Hamels is four and two with a two nine three earned run average and ten starts on the road this year, but one and six with a five eight three ERA in fifty four innings, nine home starts, opponents hitting two seventy nine against him. Seriously, those are some crazy numbers, man, for for Cole Hamels to be giving up. Um, So, therefore, I like the Oakland Athletic Bats. And uh, Semyon's a guy, and I'm glad that Drew brought him up because I actually like him here as well. So, uh, Semyon's reached base in 10 straight games, uh, 40 Oakland Athletics. Uh, 10 stolen bases, 7 home runs on a year, 34 RBIs. Nice spot here. Uh, Dick Meyer brought it up. You know, the the Oakland Bats come alive when they get away from their home park. So, I also, I'm going to put Chris Davis in the lineup as well. Uh, we talked about Mookie Betts. Um, Dink Meyer said that uh, that Mike Trout is actually the the top projected player tonight, and I don't have him in my lineup, and that's why Drew Dinkmeyer is the millionaire and I'm the chump of mayor. So um, he says put uh, put Mike Trout in the lineup. I went with Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, 15 for 32, with three home runs in his career against Gossman. He's got, like, seven RBIs. You know, Mookie Betts has big numbers against everybody, but uh, Betts has had a nice run against Gosman here. 15-32, 416-9, three home runs, as we mentioned, seven RBIs. The OPS is through the roof, man. It's 1-309. <laughs> it's 1-309, one, one, one uh, his OPS. And similar situation with J.D. Martinez here. J.D. Martinez... Has only seen Gossman ten times. I don't know why, but he's only seen Gossman ten times. He's five for ten with a home run and four RBIs. We talked about Xander Bogarts earlier. Bogarts is hitting two eighty nine against him. He's eleven for thirty eight with a double, a home run, and five five RBIs um, against him. Here's an interesting number, but uh, for the record, uh, who's catching actually for uh, for Boston tonight? Well, both. Um, both uh, Boston catchers have never gotten a hit, actually, against Gossman, which actually is actually somewhat of a surprise. It, all right, it is, uh, it is Sandy. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, he's never gotten a hit against uh, against Gossman. And finally, in closing, we're going with Chris Davis uh, tonight in the outfield. Chris Davis went off uh, with a big game yesterday. Thirty-two DK points yesterday. A couple of home runs, two for four with two home runs against uh, San Francisco. I don't like being a day late and a dollar short, but I think he can keep this rolling here. He's forty-six hundred dollars. It's obviously an extreme hitters ballpark. We've gone. We've just told you a lot about Cole Hamels and his numbers uh, at home. So Chris Davis. Like seriously, that's some serious pop, man. We got like we got a lot of offense. Our pitching, you know, is suspect. I got Sean Newcomb and Luis Santos, but after that, we got Wilson Contreras, Mark Trumbo, um, Asdrubal uh, Cabrera, Adrian Beltre, Marcus Simeon, Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, and Chris Davis. I tell you, man, if Santos can give us anything tonight, we're going to have a puncher's chance making some money and some head-to-heads uh, with this. We once again made money with the CFL lineup that we gave you uh, this week. Now, we didn't make a lot of money, but uh, we got time and, uh, you know, um, one and a half our our value back. Well, Listen, it's better than nothing. Um, it's tough, though. The CFL contests are tough. They fill up fast, and then you know there's the other one where it's thirty three dollars to enter. Man, it's pretty pricey to enter, and I think Ben Kramer's been winning that one uh, every every week. <laughs> but we'll we'll have uh, we'll have another winning uh, CFL lineup uh, for you later in the week. So we went over the uh, some of the streaks um, coming into tonight. We mentioned Boston fourteen and two in their last sixteen games. Miami seven and three. I think the the Marlins are probably the bet tonight. Steve Merrill uh, was tweeting. Steve Merrill, regular guest here, was tweeting about this earlier, saying that the public consensus all love the Braves, but the sharp money is coming in on the Marlins tonight. You know, Urena is um, he is uh, he's zero seven at home. You know, he's got to win a game eventually at home. The Braves have been fading a little bit as well as of late. They're minus 120. You know what? I think the Marlins are worth a shot at that uh, as a home dog. I've had really bad – I've had a bad track record. I've had a bad track record with the Braves uh, this year. I was really late to the party when they were winning games earlier, and then when I sort of jumped on the Braves, they started to lose a little bit, and – you know, to be honest, you know, there's been um, there's been more losses than wins, man. For me, when it comes to Atlanta Braves uh, bets, the Marlins are another team that I've never really had a good handle on. I don't bet a lot of Marlins games, to be honest with you, but I do think the Marlins are worth a look tonight. They're seven and three in their last ten. Arena's uh, due to win uh, due to win a baseball game. He pitches well at home. He just doesn't get any run support. And I'm rolling the dice with Newcomb here, but it is a roll of the dice. Now, we talked about the Dodgers and the Phillies game a little bit uh, with Drew Dinkmeyer. The Dodgers are red hot right now, man, and I told you guys a couple of weeks ago to take the Dodgers to win the division. They were plus money. They were two and a half games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and, man, they could have been 12 games back, and they would have won. This is what the Dodgers do. The Dodgers always start off slow and then heat up. They're not done dealing. They bring in Manny Machado. The Dodgers have been the best team in baseball uh, since May 19th, and they continue to play uh, strong baseball uh, right now. Another big series um, on the road here against the Philadelphia Phillies. The Dodgers and the Phillies have had a lot of history together over the years. Uh, Dodgers, 19 you – know, Dodgers are a good road team. 19-7 and 7 in their past 26 uh, road games. That's pretty impressive. And the Dodgers are on a nice run right now. They're 19-7 and 7 in their past 26 road games. They're twenty and six in their the, against right-handed pitchers. They're past twenty-six games against right-handed pitchers, they're twenty and six. This is what's incredibly impressive about the Dodgers. Uh, these are some numbers courtesy of Vegas, uh, Vegas Insiders uh, database. They're fourteen and three in their past seventeen road games against teams with a winning record. Wow. So not only did the Dodgers win on the road, like they're they're winning against, you know, they beat good teams on the road. 14-3 in their last 17. And as we mentioned, the Philadelphia Phillies played a doubleheader uh, yesterday. You know, they've got a good pitcher. Eflin's on the hill here tonight. Um, you know, the Phillies are 1-5, and five, and Eflin's past six starts against NL West opposition. But he's going to have to give them something, man. You know, that's a lot of baseball they played over the weekend. And if the Dodgers can get to Philadelphia early, this could be a type of game where Kapler might just wave the, um, he might just throw the towel in. You might say, you know what, we're coming off a doublehead or we're down here. I can't go through all these pitchers and really, really, really throw everything, um, throw everything out of, uh, out of loop for, for the entire week just to, you know, to get back in this game. So I think it's a nice, it's a favorable situation uh for the Los Angeles at Dodgers here this evening. Thing is, you gotta lay 55 cents, you know, on the road against a pretty good Philadelphia Philly team. A pretty good Philadelphia Philly a good team that we might add that both me and Cam Stewart both thought that actually could be a, a decent team this year. Uh Yankees have Severino on the hill, minus two ninety. it's a lot. I guess you do the automatic parlay. You know, I'm going to play Boston on their on their own. I'm going to put the I'm going to put the Cleveland Indians in here. Now, listen, Corey Kluber's on the hill, and Kluber's a stud. But we talk about it all the time, and uh, we'll go over some of the numbers after on the other side of our next break. The the Cleveland Indians, man, these guys are money burners, man, and. You know, the Pittsburgh Pirates have won nine in a row. I can't do it, actually. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know what? I think the Pittsburgh Pirates are actually worth a look at, plus 225. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take the Bucs here. We got You got to roll the dice sometimes on an underdog. As good as Corey Kluber is, the Cleveland Indians, they find ways to lose games all the time. The Pirates have won nine in a row. What do we always say? If you're in Vegas and it comes up black nine times in a row, you don't bet on red. Game time decisions. DFS lineup lock continues.
0: Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app.
1: time decisions red heat rage radio smooth not very good but smooth (laughs) thanks uh thanks uh florio you know what you had a great day of tunes too Uh, you know what you had a great day of tunes all right uh, so hopefully we're gonna have a great day of picks here tonight we'll get to our best bets uh, of the day in a moment, we went over some of the streaks here a little bit just to recap. Boston fourteen and two in their last sixteen games. Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, man nine and zero. And normally I'm on top of all these. Now listen, I know Boston are torrid, red hot right now, and I think Boston. Um, I you know, personally, I think we're looking at a Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers World Series. Uh, that that's my prediction, but so you know, it's not a shock. But Boston are torrid right now. They're fourteen and two in their last sixteen. I didn't realize that Pittsburgh were nine and zero, and it's kind of strange because I've had a good baseball betting season this year, uh, better than usual actually. You know, there's times normally you know there's been times where it's been mid June and I hate baseball. I, I love the sport, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll wait for the playoffs. I'll get. I'll, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not betting every day anymore on this stuff. But uh, this year, I've stayed in the game. You know what? We've, we've done very well with our baseball bets uh, this year. But for some reason, I don't bet a lot of baseball on the weekends. I just don't. You know, I bet baseball all week, and I find on Mondays I'm sort of out of the loop a little bit because betting on baseball is like watching a Brazilian soap opera. All right? You got to watch every day, man. Otherwise, you don't know what's going on, all uh, right, with Maria and Luis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? you got, you got to follow baseball every day to really be in the loop. Every game sort of ties into each other. It's not an isolated sport where it's different uh, each game. You know, as we talk about, you know, how many pitchers did they use in a game before? How deep did they go into their bullpen? Oh, they played a doubleheader yesterday, right? There's a lot of things that are sort of correlated. And when the weekends come, you know, there's football, arena football, CFL football, NFL football, college football, like when September gets here, you know what I mean? Like, how many of you guys do the same thing? You'll bet baseball on a Wednesday night during the football season in September, but on Sunday afternoon, are you really looking at the baseball board that much? You know, no, you're watching NFL football. So, you know, there's always UFC on. So Saturday nights, man, I'm having a couple of beers, and I'm betting on UFC and MLS soccer. You know, the weekends are sort of, you know, the more exotic uh, bets, it seems. So I get away from baseball a little bit. And it's funny, too, because there's times where I'm like, man, I'm killing baseball all week, and I just lost $2,000 betting on the NFL. I should have just bet on baseball. And I'll tell you what, guys, but, you know, if you're a sharp, you're, you're already aware of this, but that's a good time to bet baseball, actually, once football starts those Sundays. The lines are just a little bit, uh, listen, they're never giving money away, all right? oddsmakers are always going to be on top of things, but put it this way. An odds maker and a sports book are a hell of a lot more concerned with the Philadelphia Eagle line and line movement than they are the Philadelphia Philly game, right? You can sort of find, you can spot some opportunities, actually, um, out there, especially in the DFS world as well. I mean, the baseball participation, obviously, is going to go way, way, way down, right? I've always said that season-long baseball fantasy league should just end, actually, at the end of August, because you know, once football starts, and you know, people are preoccupied with the National Football League, anyways. Um, so, a uh, long-winded way of saying, normally I'm on totally on top of everything as far as streaks, but it, it surprised me to see the Pittsburgh had won nine in a row. Also because of the fact that I didn't realize, um, you know, it's harder to stay on top of the streaks coming out of the All Star break and stuff, and a new one start, and so this one sort of carried over. They won a few games going in. Now, listen, the Blue Jays have a three-game win streak going right now. They swept the Baltimore Orioles. Can they, can they make it four? I think they can tonight. So, uh, Boston, 14-2 in their last 16. Uh, the Detroit Tigers struggling, 2-8 in their last 10. Uh, the Miami Marlins, we talked about taking a fish here tonight. The Marlins, 7-3 in their past 10 baseball games. Pittsburgh Pirates torrid right now on a red-hot uh, run, 9-0 in their last nine San Diego's 1-7 in their last eight. As far as total trends are concerned, we mentioned uh, the Cleveland Indians 7-2-1 uh, to the over in their last 10 games. The Angels are on a big under run right now. 13-5-1 to the under the last 19 baseball games for the LA Angels. The Milwaukee Brewers are 7-3 and three to the over in their past 10 games. They get the Nationals tonight. Uh, Yankees. This is interesting. The Yankees play the Rays this evening, and the Yankees are 6-1-2 and 2 to the over in their past nine, and the uh, Tampa Bay Rays are 5-1 to the over in their last six. Uh, there's a couple of uh, baseball trends uh, of note. And we've got some crazier ones if you're into the Atkins diet uh, trends. These such as uh, that the Cleveland Indians are 25-0 straight up as favorites of Minus 140 or more off a game as a favorite when they blew a lead in their starter's last start (laughs) and lost its last game post-All-Star break. Holy crap. The Baltimore Orioles are 0-15 straight up as a home underdog of 135 or more after a game in which they had more strikeouts than hits. The Washington Nationals are 0-9 uh, straight up after a game in which Anthony Rendon has multiple RBIs. Washington, uh, they have lost these nine games by an average of four runs. The Diamondbacks are 8-0 and 0 in franchise history when Patrick Corbin, did I say godly before? My bad. When Corbin... Uh, you know, is uh, when his whip is 1.5 or less, and they lost as a road favorite in his in his last start. So they're eight and zero. If Corbin's whip is 1.5 or less, and they lost as a favorite in his last start, is eight and zero. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, are you really are you betting because of this trend right now? (laughs) The Nationals are zero and five. As favorites off a win. I'm not giving you these trends to tell you, all oh, they're locks. I'm just giving you these trends to let you know the trends of the day. Uh, the Nationals are 0-5 straight up as a favorite off a win, as, uh, as a favorite of which they never trailed. And the Milwaukee Brewers are 7-0 to the over in the first games of home series if the line is within 25 cents. That's a weird stat. So in other words, this trend is saying that the Brewers game is going to go over the number here tonight. All right, so we'll, go, we'll get into our baseball bets uh, of the day. Let's just uh, see what we've uh, missed out on in the last uh, couple of hours. Um, we see that uh, LeBron James' his kid, LeBron James Jr., has made an unofficial uh, visit to uh, Duke uh, University. So LeBron James, is, uh, LeBron James didn't go to university, but evidently it looks like his kid will. He's only 13 years old right now, but he's already a pretty hot prospect for obvious uh, reasons. I believe the LeBron James, so he's 13 right now. So in other words, he'll be in the NBA in six years. So LeBron's going to be around for another six years. I think LeBron wants to play with his son,
0: or at least be in the NBA with his son. Coach Shevsky has forged a relationship
1: with LeBron James over the years after coaching him in the Olympics. That's the thing, man. That's the thing. You know, like Coach Shevsky, you get those you get those coaching uh jobs. It's the same thing with like um same thing with like um, you know, Rick Petino and John Calipari. You'll see all these coaches, man. They'll take these these international jobs. Now, listen, USA basketball obviously is is as good as it gets when in the international world for a coaching job. But, you know, you see, you know, these other NCAA coaches, man, they'll take jobs with the Dominican Republic team or the Puerto Rican team or or the Lithuanian or, like, an Eastern European team. Also, you get the contacts. And, like, look, if Coach Krzyzewski isn't coaching the Olympic team, he doesn't know LeBron James. And then, therefore... LeBron James doesn't have that trust to send his kid to go play for Coach But we can't get ahead of ourselves. I mean, the kid's only 13 right now. But what I do say is that LeBron James will play with his son. I think that's sort of the end game. And, you know, LeBron, what, LeBron's 32. I think he's 32, 33, whatever. He's 32 going on 33, or he just turned 33, whatever. So, you know, that takes us to him being, you know, nearly 40. The only thing with LeBron James is the guy plays a lot of minutes and eventually it's going to catch up to him. He's playing the best basketball of his career right now, so you know, I w- I'm not going to doubt LeBron James playing in the NBA 6 years from now. I mean, look, he signed a 4-year deal right now with the Lakers. Like I said, I think he's hanging around in the NBA until his son arrives and at least he plays in the in, you know, You can't guarantee they're going to be on the same team. Although, I guess LeBron could since he leaves teams every few years. He could just leave and go wherever the hell his son got drafted, to be honest. But something to keep your eye on. uh, Something to keep your eye on uh, down the road. Well, earlier in the program, we talked about Ryan Lochte. And uh, Lochte, of course, that stupid idiot uh, swimmer dude. The himbo, you always knew the guy was a jarhead. You always knew the guy, but we didn't think he'd be stupid enough to take a picture of himself violating, <laughs> violating, violating, um, violating uh, the WADA drug testing rules. I mean, the guy, the guy took a picture of himself on Instagram, you know, getting uh, taking needles and stuff like. Not too bright, bro. Yet he might not be the stupidest guy of the day. Uh, we got uh, Bradley Reef, Iowa football player. <laughs> this is pretty good, actually. This is uh, this is pretty good. Iowa football player uh, Bradley Reef, defensive tackle, was arrested and charged with public intoxita- intoxication in Iowa City early Saturday morning after attempting to enter a police car. That he confused for an Uber. <laughs> when asked by officers on the scene why he was try- trying to enter the passenger door of a police vehicle, Reef reportedly said uh, he thought that was our job. Reef reportedly uh, reportedly blew a .204 in a breathalyzer at the time of the incident. He was subsequently taken to jail and released <laughs> Saturday morning. We are aware of the incident, says Iowa. Seems like a pretty good player. His red shirt appeared in 12 games last year as a rotational defensive tackle. Recorded 13 tackles, one sack, and had one interception. He was named uh, to the ac- academic All-Big Ten team. Wow. <laughs> wow. This, this goes to show where you can be smart in school, but you might not be smart like in the street. You know what I mean? Like it's, I guarantee you. like I would never try to voluntarily get into a police car, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I would never, like, walk up. I've been very, very drunk in my life over the years many times, and I've never, like, walked up to a cop car and tried to get in the passenger seat before. That's the thing, though. The cop just should have told him to go home after. I mean, you know, they arrested him for public intoxication, whatever. I mean, the guy, you know, look, he, didn't, he wasn't drinking and driving. He was being responsible. He was trying to take an Uber home. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's, this is pretty good. <laughs> I like the fact that he's actually like an all all academic uh, big Ten too But uh, that's about it. It's sort of the calm before the storm uh, right now. My guarantee, I promise you tomorrow we'll we'll check in on this, all right so we have the kid uh, the kid from Iowa today over the next couple of days or at least next weekend, because you know it's the weekend when the kids are going to go out, but over the next couple of weeks, there'll be a lot of college football players doing stupid things like this. They're kids. You know what I mean? Like, people are going to call them out and single them out and stuff, but whatever, man. You know, there's hell of a lot of worse things that people do in the world and get drunk and, you know, confuse a cop car for an Uber, right? <laughs> kids, kids, kids will be kids. <laughs> like, you almost just have to laugh at the kids. Like, whatever, kids. Just don't do that again, all right? Like, basically, you know, you tell the kids, listen, if you're going to get drunk, don't walk around the town, all right? Like, you're a college student. <laughs> you play on the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's a great story, though. He confused. He confused. How do you confuse? Maybe if it's an unmarked car, all right, but how the hell do you confuse a cop car? How do you confuse a cop car with uh,
0: with an Uber? That's gold. Uh, Twitter seems to be ripping
1: Dwight Howard for something, but I don't know. It's something about Dwight Howard just that he tweeted. It's, It's ridiculous. I'm still on Twitter, but I'm going to take a step back. Or I'm trying to. It's like a drug, that stuff. You know, I've been on Twitter so much for the last eight years or whatever. But there's too much. I'm not bitching about the negativity and stuff like that. I get it. Whatever. Negativity sells. But it's just too... uh, I spent too much time and it's too draining where, you know, I got a lot of things to do in my life and whatever. If Dwight Howard says something serious or Dwight Howard does something, then I'll get involved. But... I don't care about Dwight Howard tweeting about his journey in the NBA and people not, uh, not liking his tweet, you know. I can't waste my time with every little fake outrage, stupid story, man, in today's stupid social age society that we live in. All right, so let's get to our plays of the day. And uh, let us remind you, of course, as well, that you can get a 50% uh, sign-up bonus over at mybookie.a Why wouldn't you want to get a 50% uh, sign-up bonus? You're going to bet anyways. You want to support the station. You want to support the program. You support our sponsors. Uh, Check out uh, mybookie.ag. Get a 50% uh, deposit uh, bonus. Uh, mybookie.ag. Use promo code FNTSY. Don't worry about algorithms and DFS this. And, oh, my God, this guy's out of the lineup you got to worry about Drew Dinkmeyer winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. Just bet on games, bet on props. they got a great prop builder tool over there. The prop builder tool is real cool. Check it out. Uh, MyBookie.ag, enter promo code FNTSY upon sign up and uh, make some money. All right, so we'll try to help you make money right now. Our plays of the day. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Give me the Dodgers. We talked about how hot they are on the road. Give me the Dodgers. Uh, Red Sox own the Orioles like everyone else does, but they're eight and one in nine games against the uh, the Birds this year. Give me the Jays to win their four straight game. Marlins seven and three in their last ten, make it eight and three. Cole Hamels gets lit up at home. Oakland wins. Pittsburgh Pirates have won nine in a row, make it ten in a row, and give me a Yankee Angel parlay. Scout Radio coming up next.